Part Two, Chapter Two of the Kama Sutra by Vatsyayana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra by Vatsyayana, Part Two, of Sexual Union, Chapter One, Kinds of Sexual Union According to Dimensions, Force of Desire or Passion. Time. Man is divided into three classes, that is, the hare-man, the bull-man, and the horse-man, according to the size of his lingam. Women also, according to the depth of her yoni, is either a female deer, a mare, or a female elephant. There are thus three equal unions between persons of corresponding dimensions, and there are six unequal unions when the dimensions do not correspond or nine in all, as the following table shows. Equal dimensions are hare-man and deer-woman, bull-man and mare-woman, horse-man and elephant-woman. Unequal pairings are hare-man and mare-woman, hare-man and elephant-woman, bull-man and deer-woman, bull-man and elephant-woman, horse-man and deer-woman, horseman and mare-woman. In these unequal unions, when the male exceeds the female in point of size, his union with a woman who is immediately next to him in size is called high union, and is of two kinds, while his union with the woman most remote from him in size is called the highest union, and is of one kind only. On the other hand, when the female exceeds the male in point of size, her union with a man immediately next to her in size is called low union, and is of two kinds, while her union with a man most remote from her in size is called the lowest union, and is of one kind only. In other words, the horse and mare, the bull and deer, form the high union, while the horse and deer form the highest union. On the female side, the elephant and bull, the mare and hare, form low unions, while the elephant and the hare make the lowest unions. There are, then, nine kinds of union according to dimensions. Amongst all these, equal unions are the best. Those of a superlative degree, that is, the highest and the lowest, are the worst, and the rest are middling, and with them the high are better than the low. Footnote. High unions are said to be better than low ones, for in the former it is possible for the male to satisfy his own passion without injuring the female, while in the latter it is difficult for the female to be satisfied by any means. End footnote. There are also nine kinds of union according to the force of passion or carnal desire, as follows. Equal unions are small for both men and women, middling for men and women, and intense for men and women. Unequal pairings are small for men and middling for women, small for men and intense for women, middling for men and small for women, middling for men and intense for women, intense for men and small for women, intense for men and middling for women. A man is called a man of small passion whose desire at the time of sexual union is not great, whose semen is scanty, and who cannot bear the warm embraces of the female. Those who differ from this temperament are called men of middling passion, 
while those of intense passion are full of desire. In the same way, women are supposed to have the three degrees of feeling as specified above. Lastly, according to time, there are three kinds of men and women, that is, the short-timed, the moderate-timed, and the long-timed, and of these, as in the previous statements, there are nine kinds of union. But on this last head there is a difference of opinion about the female, which should be stated. Audelica says, Females do not emit as males do. The males simply remove their desire, while the females, from their consciousness of desire, feel a certain kind of pleasure, which gives them satisfaction, but it is impossible for them to tell you what kind of pleasure they feel. The fact from which this becomes evident is, that males, when engaged in coition, cease of themselves after emission, and are satisfied, but it is not so with females. This opinion is, however, objected to on the grounds that if a male be a long-timed, the female loves him the more, but if he be short-timed, she is dissatisfied with him. And this circumstance, some say, would prove that the female emits also. But this opinion does not hold good, for if it takes a long time to allay a woman's desire, and during this time she is enjoying great pleasure, it is quite natural, then, that she should wish for its continuation. And on this subject there is a verse as follows. By union with men the lust, desire, or passion of women is satisfied, and the pleasure derived from the consciousness of it is called their satisfaction. The followers of Babravya, however, say that the semen of women continues to fall from the beginning of the sexual union to its end, and it is right that it should be so, for if they had no semen there would be no embryo. To this there is an objection. In the beginning of coition the passion of the woman is middling, and she cannot bear the vigorous thrusts of her lover, but by degrees her passion increases until she ceases to think about her body, and then finally she wishes to stop from further coition. This objection, however, does not hold good, for even in ordinary things that revolve with great force, such as a potter's wheel, or a top, we find that the motion at first is slow, but by degrees it becomes very rapid. In the same way, the passion of the woman having gradually increased, she has a desire to discontinue coition when all the semen has fallen away and there is a verse with regard to this as follows. The fall of the semen of the man takes place only at the end of coition, while the semen of the woman falls continually, and after the semen of both has all fallen away, then they wish for the discontinuance of coition. Footnote. The strength of passion with women varies a great deal, some being easily satisfied, and others eager and willing to go on for a long time. To satisfy these last thoroughly, a man must have recourse to art. It is certain that a fluid flows from the woman in larger or smaller quantities, but her satisfaction is not complete until she has experienced the spasm genesique, as described in French work recently published and called Breviaire de l'amour expérimental par le Dr. Jules Goyot. End of footnote. Lastly, Vetsyayana is of opinion that the semen of the female falls in the same way as that of the male. Now some may ask here, if men and women are beings of the same kind, 
and are engaged in bringing about the same result, why should they have different works to do? Vatsya says that this is so, because the ways of working, as well as the consciousness of pleasure in men and women, are different. The difference in the ways of working, by which men are the actors, and women are the persons acted upon, is owing to the nature of the male and the female. Otherwise the actor would be sometimes the person acted upon, and vice versa. And from this difference in the ways of working follows the difference in the consciousness of pleasure. For a man thinks, this woman is united with me, and a woman thinks, I am united with this man. It may be said that if the ways of working in men and women are different, why should not there be a difference, even in the pleasure they feel, and which is the result of those ways? But this objection is groundless, for the person acting and the person acted upon being of different kinds, there is a reason for the difference in their ways of working. But there is no reason for any difference in the pleasure they feel, because they both naturally derive pleasure from the act they perform. Footnote. This is a long dissertation very common among Sanskrit authors, both when writing and talking socially. They start certain propositions, and then argue for and against them. What it is presumed the author means is, that although both men and women derive pleasure from the act of coition, the way it is produced is brought about by different means, each individual performing his own work in the matter, irrespective of the other and each deriving individually their own consciousness of pleasure from the act they perform. There is a difference in the work that each does, and a difference in the consciousness of pleasure that each has, but no difference in the pleasure they feel, for each feels that pleasure to a greater or lesser degree. End of footnote. On this again some may say that when different persons are engaged in doing the same work, we find that they accomplish the same end or purpose, while, on the contrary, in the case of men and women we find that each of them accomplishes his or her own end separately, and this is inconsistent. But this is a mistake, for we find that sometimes two things are done at the same time, as, for instance, in the fighting of rams. Both the rams receive the shock at the same time on their heads. Again, in throwing one wood-apple against another, and also in a fight or struggle of wrestlers. If it be said that in these cases the things employed are of the same kind, it is answered that even in the case of men and women, the nature of the two persons is the same, and as the difference in their ways of working arises from the difference of their confirmation only, it follows that men experience the same kind of pleasure as women do. There is also a verse on this subject as follows. Men and women being of the same nature feel the same kind of pleasure, and therefore a man should marry such a woman as will love him ever afterwards. The pleasure of men and women being thus proved to be of the same kind, it follows that in regard to time there are nine kinds of sexual intercourse, in the same way as there are nine kinds according to the force of passion. There being thus nine kinds of union with regard to dimensions, force of passion, and time, respectively, by making combinations of them, innumerable kinds of union would be produced. Therefore, in each particular kind of sexual union, men should use such means as they may think suitable for the occasion. Footnote. This paragraph should be particularly noted, 
for it specially applies to married men and their wives. So many men utterly ignore the feelings of the women, and never pay the slightest attention to the passion of the latter. To understand the subject thoroughly, it is absolutely necessary to study it, and then a person will know that, as dough is prepared for baking, so must a woman be prepared for sexual intercourse, if she is to derive satisfaction from it. End of footnote. At the first time of sexual union the passion of the male is intense, and his time is short. But in subsequent unions on the same day the reverse of this is the case. With a female, however, it is the contrary, for at the first time her passion is weak, and then her time long, but on subsequent occasions on the same day her passion is intense and her time short, until her passion is satisfied. ON THE DIFFERENT KINDS OF LOVE Men learned in the humanities are of opinion that love is of four kinds, that is, one, love acquired by continual habit, two, love resulting from the imagination, three, love resulting from belief, four, love resulting from the perception of external objects. One, Love resulting from the constant and continual performance and habit, as for instance the love of sexual intercourse, the love of hunting, the love of drinking, the love of gambling, etc., etc. 2. Love which is felt for things to which we are not habituated, and which proceeds entirely from ideas, is called love resulting from imagination, as for instance that love which some men and women and eunuchs feel for the Aparishtaka or Mouth Congress, and that which is felt by all for such things as embracing, kissing, etc., etc. 3. The love which is mutual on both sides, and proved to be true, when each looks upon the other as his or her very own, such is called love resulting from belief by the learned. 4. The love resulting from the perception of eternal objects is quite evident and well known to the world because the pleasure which it affords is superior to the pleasure of the other kinds of love, which exists only for its sake. What has been said in this chapter upon the subject of sexual union is sufficient for the learned, but for the edification of the ignorant, the same will now be treated of at length and in detail. CHAPTER Two, OF THE EMBRACE this part of the Kama Shastra, which treats of sexual union, is also called sixty-four, Chatush Shashti. Some old authors say that it is called so because it contains sixty-four chapters. Others are of opinion that the author of this part, being a person named Panchala, and the person who recited the part of the Rig Veda called Dashatapa, which contains sixty-four verses, being also called Panchala, the name sixty-four has been given to the part of the work in honour of the Rig Vedas. The followers of Babhravya say, on the other hand, that this part contains eight subjects, that is, the embrace, kissing, scratching with the nails or fingers, biting, lying down, making various sounds, playing the part of a man, and the Aparishtaka, or mouth-congress each of these subjects being of eight kinds, and eight multiplied by eight being sixty-four, this part is therefore named sixty-four. 
but Vatsyayana affirms that, as this part contains also the following subjects, that is, striking, crying, the acts of a man during Congress, the various kinds of Congress, and other subjects, the name sixty-four is given to it only accidentally. As, for instance, we say this tree is Saptaparna, or seven-leaved, this offering of rice is Panchavarna, or five-coloured, but the tree has not seven leaves, neither has the rice five colours. However, the part sixty-four is now treated of, and the embrace, being the first subject, will now be considered. Now the embrace which indicates the mutual love of a man and woman who have come together is of four kinds, that is, touching, piercing, rubbing, and pressing. The action in each case is denoted by the meaning of the word which stands for it. 1. When a man under some pretext or other goes in front or alongside of a woman, and touches her body with his own, it is called the touching embrace. 2. When a woman in a lonely place bends down, as if to pick up something, and pierces, as it were, a man sitting or standing with her breasts, and the man in return takes hold of them, it is called a piercing embrace. The above two kinds of embrace take place only between persons who do not, as yet, speak freely with each other. 3. When two lovers are walking slowly together, either in the dark or in a place of public resort, or in a lonely place, and rub their bodies against each other, it is called a rubbing embrace. 4. When on the above occasion one of them presses the other's body forcibly against a wall or pillar, it is called a pressing embrace. These last two embraces are peculiar to those who know the intentions of each other. At the time of the meeting the four following kinds of embrace are used, that is, jata veshtitaka, or the twining of a creeper, vrikshadhirudhaka, or climbing a tree, tila tandulaka, or the mixture of sesame seed with rice, kashiraniraka, or milk-and-water embrace. 1. When a woman, clinging to a man as a creeper twines round a tree, bends his head down to hers with the desire of kissing him, and slightly makes the sound of sut-sut, embraces him, and looks lovingly towards him, it is called an embrace like the twining of a creeper. 2. When a woman, having placed one of her feet on the foot of her lover, and the other on one of his thighs, passes one of her arms round his back and the other on his shoulders, makes slightly the sounds of singing and cooing, and wishes, as it were, to climb up him in order to have a kiss. It is called an embrace like the climbing of a tree. These two kinds of embrace take place when the lover is standing. 3. When lovers lie on a bed, and embrace each other so closely that the arms and thighs of the one are encircled by the arms and thighs of the other, and are, as it were, rubbing up against them, this is called an embrace like the mixture of sesame seed with rice. 4. When a man and a woman are very much in love with each other, and not thinking of any pain or hurt, embrace each other as if they were entering into each other's bodies, either while the woman is sitting on the lap of the man, or in front of him, or on a bed, then it is called an embrace like a mixture of milk and water. These two kinds of embrace take place at the time of sexual union. 
Bhavhavya has thus related to us the above eight kinds of embraces. Suvarnanaba, however, gives us four ways of embracing simple members of the body, which are the embrace of the thighs, the embrace of the jagana, i.e., the part of the body from the navel downwards to the thighs, the embrace of the breasts, the embrace of the forehead. 1. When one of two lovers presses forcibly one or both of the thighs of the other between his or her own, it is called the embrace of thighs. 2. When a man presses the jaghana or middle part of the woman's body against his own, and mounts upon her to practice, either scratching with the nail or finger, or biting or striking or kissing, the hair of the woman being loose and flowing, it is called the embrace of the jagana. 3. When a man places his breast between the breasts of a woman, and presses her with it, it is called the embrace of the breasts. 4. When either of the lovers touches the mouth, the eyes, and the forehead of the other with his or her own, it is called the embrace of the forehead. Some say that even shampooing is a kind of embrace, because there is a touching of bodies in it. But Vatsyayana thinks that shampooing is performed at a different time, and for a different purpose, and it is also of a different character. It cannot be said to be included in the embrace. There are also some verses on the subject as follows. The whole subject of embracing is of such a nature that men who ask questions about it, or who hear about it, or who talk about it, acquire thereby a desire for enjoyment. Even those embraces that are not mentioned in the Kama Shastra should be practised at the time of sexual enjoyment, if they are in any way conducive to the increase of love or passion. The rules of the Shastra apply so long as the passion of man is middling, but when the wheel of love is once set in motion, then there is no Shastra and no order. End of chapter 2